You're listening to audio from Calvary Gravenhurst in Muskoka, Ontario. For more resources or to connect with someone in the church, please visit calvarygravenhurst.com. This week's sermon is taught by lead pastor Benjamin Emery. Good Friday to you. It's great to see you. I'm so pleased that you've come out to remember this most historic event. I'm going to read from Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 8. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you today because you asked us to come and remember this. We want to remember what you did on the cross. We want to remember that even though it was almost 2,000 years ago, it's the most important event in history, the most important event for our lives pray that for each of us we would get a better glimpse, a stronger reality of the cross, and that you would become a, not just a, a notion in our minds, not just a religious symbol that hangs on the walls, but our real Lord and Savior, and that today we would celebrate and remember in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm not sure what you've been thinking about over the last couple of weeks, what's been coursing through your thoughts as we approach Easter, but I can say honestly, um, in my 15 years of being a Christian, uh, that Easter has never stood out as prominently in my mind as it does this year. Maybe it's uh, my greater uh, realization of my own deficiencies and sins, maybe it's It's an understanding of of the frail mortality that I and all of us share on this earth. It could be that as I watch uh, the world turn away from God and, and try and run things on their own, I can see things getting progressively worse. But I've been thinking a lot about it. And I've been asking the Lord what he wants me to say. And I don't know about you, If you notice that uh, the Bible, that the Gospels, the four Gospels, the writers of that, uh, the first halves of the Gospels are really like a brief prelude uh, to the main focus of the Gospels, which is the last week of Jesus' life. And of the last week, the main focus is really the last day of Jesus' life. That is what they really wanted us to see. So I've been asking the Holy Spirit, what should we focus on in this brief time that we have together? Should I focus on the Last Supper? When Jesus talked about how his body was soon to be broken and his blood was soon to be shed for the sins of the world. That's a good topic for Good Friday. Or maybe I should uh, reflect on how Jesus demonstrated 
His example to us when he washed the filthy feet of his disciples and apostles and told them to serve one another as I have served you, for no servant is greater than his master. Maybe I thought I should focus in on John 15, the great command. This is my command, Jesus says, that you love one another as I have loved you. For no greater love is this than a, someone lay down their life for their friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. Or I could concentrate on uh, after the supper when Jesus took his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane and talk about how Jesus actually physically sweat blood. It actually happened under the stress of what was about to take place. And why it is Jesus asked, Father, is there any other way that this can happen, that the sins of the world can be paid for? If so, let it happen. But if not, your will be done, not mine. Betrayal flashed through my mind, for many of us have been betrayed by people we love. And no greater betrayal was there than Jesus being betrayed by Judas, who for three and a half years he had loved, and, and he had seen Jesus' power and, and heard his great message, and yet with a kiss for 30 pieces of silver, he would betray him. And, and not only him, but all of the disciples would abandon him, except for John and the ladies that followed him. We could focus in on the trial, the, the sham trial that took place at night, well, everyone was sleeping when the priests, the very people who, who claimed to love God and worship him, smacked the Son of God in the face and mocked him and falsely accused him. Or, or the, the next uh, court case that took place with Pilate, the Roman governor, at about 6 a.m., when Pilate knew Jesus was innocent, and yet, under the pressure of the people to please the people, he allowed Jesus to be scourged with a whip with little spikes on it that as it flung into God's back and chest tore the skin right off of him. Or the rejection, the rejection. And many of us have been rejected, so I thought this would hit home, of what it would be like for Jesus to hear the people calling. God hears the people calling. Let the murderer Barabbas go and crucify the innocent Savior. I thought about Jesus carrying his cross after being beaten so badly through the streets of Jerusalem and being mocked by some of the very people who just before, a week before, were crying out, Hosanna, God in the highest. Or at about 9 a.m. when Jesus reached this place called Calvary, Golgotha, and, and the Romans uh, took spikes and, and through his ankles nailed them through and through his wrists nailed him up there to leave him to suffocate. And instead of uh, calling down judgment or saying, you're going to get yours, Jesus says from the cross, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. So many things in Easter, we could talk about, we could talk about the people who stood there watching, the leaders, they were scoffing, it says. They were saying to him, you saved others, so let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen ones. And the soldiers, they got a part of it too, and they mocked him. They brought him sour wine and said, if you really are the king of the Jews, then save yourself. And, and even one of the criminals hanging on the cross next to him uh, said, aren't you the Messiah? 
then save yourself and us. We can focus in on the other criminal who, rebuking the first one, said, Don't you even fear a God since you're under the same punishment? We are getting our punishment justly because we're getting back what we deserve for the things that we've done. But this man, he's done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you enter your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. So many things to remember, so many things to talk about. We could talk about the meaning of when when at about uh, 12 noon, God covered the sun and there was darkness throughout the land. Or at 1 p.m. when when Jesus was separated from his father and as he took upon the sins of the world. Or maybe what it meant at 2 p.m. when he uttered his last words, it is finished. And then he died. Or maybe at 3 p.m. when the history books tell us that the earth shook under Israel and the veil was torn in two. You know, there are so many things that the writers wanted us to know about this last day of Jesus' life. But they weren't where I wanted to focus. Because there was this nagging question rolling through my mind. It's been rolling through for the last couple of months. And it's this. It's one word. Why? Why? Why would God bother with such a broken, messed up world? Why not just let humanity tear itself to bits? Why not just destroy us all? Why go through all of this to demonstrate such a love for us? Knowing that so many people will reject that love so they can still be king of their own lives. Why suffer physically? If you've ever seen The Passion of the Christ, it's, it's probably one of the best pictures of, of what a scourging under the Romans would have been like. But historians tell us even Mel Gibson's wonderful job doesn't tell us the full picture of what it would have been like to suffer physically under a Roman scourging and crucifying. The intense, horrible, agonizing pain of that ordeal. Why suffer mentally? Many of you have suffered mentally. We put it under categories and call it PTSD. But I look at them as mental wounds. I I know that suffering. When something's been done to you, or you've seen something done to somebody else, and it never leaves your mind, it's there, it's damaged your mind, it's hit your mind, it's, it's cut your mind, and you lay awake at night, thinking about it and it brings you to tears when you're driving and and you want to pull away from everyone else and isolate because they can't understand. It's the mental anguish of the event as you relive it over and over again. I think of Jesus and the mental anguish as God was on the cross and, and at that moment, every single sin, the image of, the feeling of, the pain of every single evil thing ever done went upon the Son of God and the tremendous anguish that that would have felt from the first person and the first sin ever done to the last one that will ever be done. All of it was felt on Jesus Christ. And I say, why, God? Why be cut off spiritually from God the Father? For the first time in history, 
God the Father and the Son would be separated. And if any of you, some of you know the pain of losing a child, whether you lost them to death or they left, you know that that's one of the worst feelings a person can have. So why? It blared through my mind as I studied the Easter story. And I can't give you a full answer as to why because I'll never understand until I get to heaven because my mind is not God's mind. But I get an answer from the Bible. It doesn't necessarily make sense to my mind. But the Bible tells me the answer to the why is for love's sake. For love's sake, God proves his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Love in our lives is often fickle. We fall in and out of love depending on the circumstances and, and how we feel that day. But God is love, the Bible tells us. He created it. He defines it. His love is at a level so far greater than our love. Love drove God to become a man. Love drove him to live with us in our mess, to become frail. A love allowed him to be oppressed and not strike back, to be rejected and not hate. And it is his perfection. Love allowed him to die. God died for us while we were still a mess. And while we're still a mess, and we sometimes have a hard time forgiving others. If we're honest, often we get stuck with the deserving aspect of it. They don't deserve my f love and forgiveness because of what they've done to me. Which, if we're true, is, if we're honest, is true. But Good Friday puts starkly in the face of uh, the reality that God suffering and dying wasn't for someone else's sins, but for our sin, personally. That the cross puts away all notions of other people's sins. And we see him, Jesus, take upon himself the punishment for my sins, my personal dark deeds, the things that some people know about and the things that some people never want to know. Reminds us of William Howe's hymn. And he says, I sometimes think about the cross and shut my eyes and try to see the cruel nails and crown of thorns that Jesus crucified for me. And when we really get it, and I'm not talking about an intellectual understanding, but when we really come to the place where we realize that if we were the only human alive, Jesus would still have to go to the cross and still have to atone for our death and still have to give himself for me because you are sinners. I am a sinner. When we get that, well, our ability to love and forgive others it comes a little bit easier. We have to remember that this was the plan. This was the plan of God the Father, not the Son. Um, but the Father didn't force the Son. Nobody forced Jesus on the cross. Jesus says this, No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down. 
and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father for love's sake. For love, Jesus died for the rebellious Jews who after all God had done for them continued to reject him. In fact, put him on that cross. For love's sake, Jesus died for the Romans. That cruel empire that crucified tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people and ruled people's lives for over a thousand years. For love's sake, Jesus died for the Canadians. Us who once honored God and held his, his statutes high, and he blessed so much. And now, even now, as our nation crumbles from the inside out, it mocks the name of Jesus with such an arrogance that sometimes makes you want to cry. Jesus gave himself for the Canadians as well. For the love of all humanity from the very least of people to the very greatest, from Adam, the first human created, to whoever that last baby will be born into this world. He died for them because he loves them. And so here we stand almost 2,000 years later. And we ask ourselves, how will we respond? Will we be like the Roman soldiers who casually played dice uh, so they could win Jesus' clothes? And for many Canadians, today will just be a day off where they casually amuse themselves, not giving an ounce of thought to why I have this day off. Hopefully we're not like the Pharisees who went away satisfied that they had finally put an end to this ridiculous notion of Jesus being the Messiah. And I pray for our leaders, whom most of them would be caught dead speaking in the name of Jesus saying happy Easter or maybe we'll be like the centurion who when this happened stood there and gave glory to God saying surely this was the son of God or maybe we'll be like the, the people who, who came for the spectacle it says uh, but when they saw what had happened went home beating their breasts in sadness We'll be like, maybe like the faithful followers who knew Jesus, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, who stood at a distance and marveled at the cross. I wonder if you are thinking along these lines, if you'll marvel, if you'll go home and you'll say to yourself, what an amazing God, the same one who brought the sun out today who gives us breath in our lungs, came to this earth and died on a cruel cross for me. A God who proves his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let that sink in as we prepare our hearts for communion. And if you, at some point in your life, maybe it's even right now, have come to that place where you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, then I want to invite you, Jesus wants to invite you to remember him. Now, this is what he said to his disciples last night, the Thursday night. He said, do this in remembrance of me, and that's what we're going to do now. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon audio. 
For more resources or to connect with us, visit calvarygravenhurst.com.